Happy Memorial Day, everybody. This is such an important holiday. uh, I don't even like to use the word holiday. It's such an important day to reflect and think about the sacrifices of so many. And to me, Memorial Day is such a wonderful day to, to reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. The scripture says in John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And today I want to I want to reflect first on the goodness of the gospel and and just in and think about that for a couple minutes here in the introduction and then we're going to transition into just the reading of the heroic acts of those who have fallen in combat who have given their lives so that we as Americans and not just for Americans but many of these men lay down their lives for to to set free foreign captives to foreign terrorists and armies and dictatorships because they were fighting not just for America but for the greater cause of the freedom of people who are created in the image of God. And I, I just want to walk through uh, and, and read Medal of Honor accounts, um, other stories and situations of, of great heroism from various wars and combat theaters. But I want to – I just wanted to introduce – this episode by saying we have the ultimate picture of sacrifice and what Jesus has done. And because Jesus, according to Philippians two, left his rightful position as, as, as the King over heaven and earth, as the one who rules and reigns over all of creation. Colossians one says he's the firstborn over all of creation. Philippians two says he made himself of nothing and became obedient to death on a cross. He did that so that you and I could be set free from the dominion and the rule and the manipulation and the control of sin. All of us, the Bible says, are born into sin. We are born as sinners. We are sinners by nature and sinners by transgression and action and deed. And, and we stand in opposition over against our creator And what Jesus has done in his sacrifice is he's bridged the gap between creator and creation. He has made a way for us to be reconciled to God and have peace with God. And I hope that today as you're uh, hopefully um, reflecting on, on what God has done to provide so many freedoms for us as Americans, and and we should give reflection as we're going to do in this episode, um, I hope that you'll reflect on the goodness of the Lord and give him thanks as you're grilling hot dogs and hamburgers and, and, and maybe spending some time in the water at the lake or, or having a, a family gathering, whatever that might look like for you today. I hope that there's reflection on the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he's done. And I hope that today's uh, stories and accounts of great heroism and sacrifice will motivate you to be the best version of yourself as an American citizen that you can be and your best and the best version of yourself as a Christ follower who reflects the sacrificial love of Jesus that you can be. Thank you for joining in. Thank you for listening. And I hope and pray that today's episode will be a blessing to you. Welcome to No Sanity Required. From the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. Well, I'm not going to go into the history of how we got, when and how Memorial Day became a holiday, Um, but I do want to, I want to point something out that I think is important for people to understand. Memorial Day and Veterans Day are two different holidays with two different purposes. 
Veterans Day, which takes place much later in the year, is a time where we we honor our veterans. And and probably uh, the way we can do that most effectively is to is to um, honor our living veterans. Not that that we wouldn't honor those who have gone on to be with the Lord or who have who have passed from this life. Um, I come from a family with with some rich military history, and and I give reflection on Veterans Day to those veterans who who served. But um, Memorial Day is a little different in that today is not a day that we just reflect uh, on on veterans who have served. It's a day where we remember those who have given their lives in a more. So both days, I don't I don't I don't want to be confusing or contrary, but Memorial Day, Veterans Day, awesome two days a year where we can really, and I think. Uh, Independence Day, where we can reflect on our, our freedoms and liberties as Americans and the, and the ultimate price that's been paid for that. But I do, uh, Memorial Day is a special time because we reflect on the fallen. And I'll start by sharing a, a very brief experience. In, uh, in 1994, 1994, Memorial Day, I went to a Memorial Day parade and, and ce- ceremony and celebration because it was the 50th anniversary of of the D-Day invasion, so D-Day, which happens uh, happens to be about a week, a week or two after Memorial Day, depending on when Memorial Day falls. But uh, that particular year, I went uh, intentionally to Bedford, Bedford, Virginia, which is uh, which is where now the the that's the modern day um, location of the D-Day Museum. But uh, and I'll, I'll explain why in just a second. But I went to Bedford because I was living not too far from there. I was I was working. I just finished up school. Um, that was the summer week that Little and I got married. And I went to Bedford because Bedford has uh, this really – it's like a really unique history surrounding uh, the D-Day invasion. And the D-Day invasion was uh, – like D-Day was an invasion of Europe to liberate France from German control. And it was it was an invasion that was a, a huge operation involving all of the Allied forces. And it was very successful, but it was very costly. And so where, where the reason Bedford, Virginia is, um, is in like in, – I guess I don't want to say important, but where – like where Bedford, Virginia is, is is maybe more significant or is very significant, I guess we should say, um, on that day is because so many people from uh, Bedford, Virginia were so, – so many of the young boys who were in the military, who were in the war in World War II were in that D-Day invasion, and many of them landed on Omaha Beach. And most of, most of us would know Omaha Beach as – the beach represented in the invasion in the movie Saving Private Ryan, maybe, or you would know that uh, that 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 is where the the probably the most brutal fighting of that day occurred, and where so many um, so many Americans fell. But Bedford is a little town, and it's growing now. It's it's gotten bigger. It's between Lynchburg and, and Roanoke, and it's getting bigger. But back then, it was such a small town. And listen to this. Bedford, June 6, 1944, Bedford, Virginia, lost 20 of the 32 sons it sent to the invasion of Normandy. A devastating blow to the tiny community of just over 3,200 souls. Over time, grief gave rise to solemn pride and deep commitment to ensuring the story of D-Day and its costs and consequences were not lost on future generations. 
that commitment, along with the distinction of sustaining the highest per capita D-Day losses, placed the monument to D-Day here in Bedford rather than elsewhere in the country. Dedicated in 2001 with some 24,000 in attendance, the memorial has since hosted hundreds of thousands of visitors from around the globe. The memorial's motto, quote, commemorating their valor, fidelity, and sacrifice, unquote, places education squarely at the center of its mission and the final salute. The 75th anniversary of D-Day promises to be the biggest memorial educational undertaking yet and its largest event since the national dedication in 2001. So that's from the dday.org website, which is uh, the website of the, the D-Day Memorial in Bedford. But I want to point, so they're having, they're having a huge event there this year, which rightly so, um, and they do every year on, on Memorial Day. And it's, uh, it was at that event before the, the um, memorial had opened that I attended an event that really changed my life and perspective when it comes to how I view uh, our fallen veterans. And I remember that day, so 20 of 32 from a town of 3,200, just staggering. You know, our, our little town here is a town of about 3,200. Andrews, it's, I mean, it's a town of much less than that, 12, 1,200, 1,400 in town. But then, like, I live right outside of the town limits, and a lot of people do. So if you you know, if you took the collective little community around the town of Andrews, three three thousand thirty two hundred is probably I'm I'm guesstimating, but probably about what you're talking about. Very similar in size, nonetheless. Twenty, so thirty two boys go, twenty of them get killed in that one single invasion. And so we're there that day, and there's three of the survivors from that day are on stage. So these men at that point would have been, you know, probably seventy, uh, maybe maybe in their seventies. And they've all since passed, but uh, they're there. One of them's in a wheelchair with injuries sustained that day. Uh, one's, you know, several of them are carrying scars uh, from wounds that day. And I remember uh, it was so moving as these men made their way onto the stage, and and men from every branch of the military were there in uniform. And I saw grown men in uniform weeping as these three elderly gentlemen made their way up onto the stage and and then the stories were told of of the heroism and the great sacrifice of that invasion and it gave me a new perspective ever ever since then memorial day is a very special day for me one of the things i'll do on memorial day every year is i will do the murph workout um, which i know some of our listeners will also do Uh, we'll be talking about michael murphy in just a few minutes he's one of the men that we'll look at today uh, that that workout is named after. And then um, I also I, I, I make sure that I hit pause and give deep reflection in solitude on what men have done and women have done to lay down their lives for our freedom. And then I, I make sure that I that we discuss it and talk about it and reflect on it as a family. And we do that all the time. That's something that we try to often talk about. And, uh, and, and it's so important, I think. We're living in a day where uh, so many of the principles of this republic are under a great attack, great attack, and we know this. and And there is a push and a move towards a very progressive form of um, of societal construct and government. A huge push um, in that direction, and and I think uh, there are many people who do not know what it was like to grow up with fascism and communism. 
a constant threat from our enemies. And, and this generation has grown up knowing only radical Islamic terrorism as a, as a physical threat. And, and that has been kept at bay for the most part. Certainly people have died. Many Americans have laid down their lives in these last couple decades since 9-11, and not including those who died on 9-11. So certainly many lives have, have, have been taken. But most of us don't lie in bed, uh, don't lay in bed and fear that we're going to come under attack. I remember as a kid growing up, but there was a constant awareness that, man, we could come under nuclear attack, we could be invaded, and 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 people have always, men have always been willing to lay down their lives so that others might experience freedom. And so today I want to reflect on that. I want to look back on that. I want to think about, uh, and, and, and there are tens of thousands who have laid down their lives. But what I'm going to do is just read a few um, accounts and excerpts of people who have given their lives, paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. And I want you to hear their names, think about what what it cost for us to breathe the air that we're breathing as we listen to this this these names and listen to this podcast. We're breathing air that has been provided by God, but but has been paid for in terms of freedom by the sacrifices of the the few who were willing to pay the ultimate price and would go and pay the ultimate price. First, I want to I read about Kenneth Lee Olson. Kenneth Lee Olson had the rank of specialist fourth class. He was a combat veteran in the Vietnam War. His unit and company was Company A, 5th Battalion, 12th Infantry, 199th Infantry Brigade. Uh, he served in the U.S. Army, and his Medal of Honor action date was May 13, 1968, in the Republic of Vietnam. I'll read his citation. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, Specialist 4th Class Olson distinguished himself at the cost of his life while serving as a team leader with Company A. SP4C Olson was participating in a mission to reinforce a reconnaissance platoon which was heavily engaged with a well-entrenched Viet Cong force. When his platoon moved into the area of contact and had overrun the first line of enemy bunkers, Specialist Olson and a fellow soldier moved forward of the platoon to investigate another suspected line of bunkers. As the two men advanced, they were pinned down by intense automatic weapons fire from an enemy position 10 meters to their front. With complete disregard for his safety, Specialist Olson exposed himself and hurled a hand grenade into the Viet Cong position. Failing to silence the hostile fire, he again exposed himself to the intense fire intense fire in preparation to assault the enemy position as he prepared to hurl the grenade he was wounded causing him to drop the activated device within his own position realizing that it would explode immediately specialist Olson threw himself onto the grenade and pulled it into his body to take the full force of the explosion by his unselfish action specialist Olson sacrificed his own life his own life to save the lives of his fellow comrades in arms. His extraordinary heroism inspired his fellow soldiers to renew their efforts and totally defeat the enemy force. Specialist Olson's profound courage and intrepidity were in keeping with the highest traditions of the military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the U.S. Army. 
specialist Kenneth Lee Olson. Michael P. Murphy, rank lieutenant, conflict, war on terrorism, Afghanistan. Unit or command, U.S. Navy SEALs, Military Service Branch, U.S. Navy. Medal of Honor Action Date, June 28, 2005. Medal of Honor Action Place, near Azbatadad, Afghanistan. The Citation. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty as the leader of a special reconnaissance element with Special Naval Warfare Task Unit Afghanistan on 27 and 28 June 2005 while leading a mission to locate a high-level anti-coalition militia leader, Lieutenant Murphy demonstrated extraordinary heroism in the face of grave danger in the vicinity of Azadabad, Konar Province, Afghanistan. On 28 June 2005, operating in an extremely rugged, enemy-controlled area, Lieutenant Murphy's team was discovered by anti-coalition militia sympathizers who revealed their position to Taliban fighters. As a result, between 30 and 40 enemy fighters besieged his four-man team. Demonstrating exceptional resolve, Lieutenant Murphy valiantly led his men in engaging a large enemy force. The ensuing fierce firefight resulted in numerous enemy casualties as well as the wounding of all four members of the team. Ignoring his own wounds and demonstrating exceptional composure, Lieutenant Murphy continued to lead and encourage his men. When the primary communicator fell mortally wounded, Lieutenant Murphy repeatedly attempted to call for assistance for his beleaguered teammates, realizing the impossibility of communicating in the extreme terrain and in the face of almost certain death, he fought his way into open terrain to gain a better position to transmit a call. This deliberate heroic act deprived him of cover, exposing him to direct enemy fire. Finally achieving contact with his headquarters, Lieutenant Murphy maintained his exposed position while he provided his location and requested immediate support for his team. In his final act of bravery, he continued to engage the enemy until he was mortally wounded, gallantly giving his life for his country and for the cause of freedom. By his selfish leadership, courageous actions, and extraordinary devotion to duty, Lieutenant Murphy reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. Lieutenant Michael P. Murphy. Uh, Mike Murphy's story is immortalized in the in the book Lone Survivor, written by Marcus Luttrell. And I know a lot of people have seen the movie, and I, I think you know that's great. But the book is certainly at a completely different level, and I would recommend that you read that. And and. Uh, and, and learn more about the story of Mike Murphy and and the four-man team that he was leading, Marcus Luttrell being that lone survivor, um, Danny Dietz and, and Axe Axelson being the other two who died alongside of Murphy in that firefight. These guys were uh, in, a, in, a, in a battle for their lives and, and incredible odds stacked against them, and they fought through multiple injuries and wounds and gunshots and broken bones and and, and ultimately, they paid the ultimate price um, for freedom. John A. Chapman, rank technical sergeant, highest rank posthumously promoted to master sergeant. 
Conflict, War on Terrorism, Afghanistan. Unit and command attached to the U.S. Navy team of SEALs. Military Service Branch, U.S. Air Force. Medal of Honor Action Date, March 4, 2002. Medal of Honor Action Place, Takur Gar, Afghanistan. Citation. Tech Sergeant John A. Chapman distinguished himself by extraordinary heroism as an Air Force Special Tactics Combat Controller attached to a Navy, Sea, Air, and Land SEAL team conducting reconnaissance operations in Afghanistan on March 4, 2002. During insertion, the team's helicopter was ambushed, causing a teammate to fall into an entrenched group of enemy combatants below. Sergeant Chapman and the team voluntarily reinserted onto the snow-capped mountain into the heart of a known enemy stronghold to rescue one of their own. Without regard for his own safety, Sergeant Chapman immediately engaged, moving in the direction of the closest enemy position. Despite coming under heavy fire from multiple directions, he fearlessly charged an enemy bunker up a steep incline in thigh-deep snow and into hostile fire, directly engaging the enemy. Upon reaching the bunker, Sergeant Chapman assaulted and cleared the position, killing all enemy occupants. With complete disregard for his own life, Sergeant Chapman deliberately moved from cover only 12 meters from the enemy and exposed himself once again to attack a second bunker from which an emplaced machine gun was firing on his team. During this assault from an exposed position directly in the line of intense fire, Sergeant Chapman was struck and injured by enemy fire. Despite severe mortal wounds, he continued to fight relentlessly, sustaining a violent engagement with multiple enemy personnel before making the ultimate sacrifice. By his heroic actions and extraordinary valor, sacrificing his life for the lives of his teammates, Tech Sergeant Chapman upheld the highest traditions of military service and reflected great credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. Tech Sergeant John A. Chapman. This next one I think is, uh, I wanted to do something uh, along the lines of someone who's not a special operations um, combat fighter. Uh, the, the, the men we've looked at to this point were all um, in, in more forward types of roles and positions. Uh, I want to I look at Chief Master Sergeant Richard L. Etchberger. He served in the, in the Vietnam War. He was with the 143rd Radar Evaluation Squadron, and he was an, he was he was. It's not like a forward combat type position. He's in the Air Force, and this took place on March 11, 1968. Um, it's an incredible story of bravery and gallantry, not by a man who went through the Navy SEAL Buds course or. Um, Marine Force Recon training, or um, like John Chapman, who was a, a, a combat air controller embedded with SEALs. This guy was a, a radar, um, he was a radar tech, and uh, and it stood out to me because of his bravery. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity in action, 
At the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, Chief Etchberger and his team of technicians were manning a top-secret defensive position at Lima Site 85 when the base was overrun by an enemy ground force. Receiving sustained and withering heavy artillery attacks directly upon his unit's position, Chief Etchberger's entire crew lay dead or severely wounded. Despite having received little or no combat training, Chief Etchberger single-handedly held off the enemy with an M16, which simultaneous, while simultaneously directing airstrikes into the area and calling for air rescue. Because of his fierce defense and heroic and selfless actions, he was able to deny the enemy access to his position and save the lives of his remaining crew. With the, the arrival of the rescue aircraft, Chief Etchberger, without hesitation, repeatedly and deliberately risked his own life, exposing himself to heavy enemy fire in order to place three surviving wounded comrades into rescue slings, hanging from the hovering helicopter, waiting to airlift them to safety. With his remaining crew safely aboard, Chief Etchberger finally climbed into an evacuation sling himself, only then to be fatally wounded by enemy ground fire as he was being raised into the aircraft. Chief Etchberger's bravery and determination in the face of persistent enemy fire and overwhelming odds are in keeping with the highest standards of performance and traditions of military service. Chief Etchberger's gallantry, self-sacrifice, and profound concern for his fellow men at risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty reflect the highest credit upon himself and the United States Air Force. Chief Master Sergeant Richard L. Etchberger. Charles Jean Abril. I wanted to talk about Charles because uh, he's 20 years, barely 20 years old when his life was taken in the Korean War. He was a corporal. Conflict was the Korean War's unit. Um, and command was Company E, uh, 2nd Division Battalion, 1st Marines, 1st Marine Division. I hope I'm reading this right. Forgive me, um, you military veterans, and particularly Marines. It says Company E, 2D Battalion, and I use the word division, uh, 1st Marines, 1st Marine Division. Um, he served in the Marine Corps, like I said, and he died on June 10th, 1951, in, uh, in the Korean conflict, reading from the citation for his Medal of Honor. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as a fire team leader in Company E in action against enemy aggressor forces while advancing with his platoon in an attack against well-concealed and heavily fortified enemy hill positions, Corporal Abril voluntarily rushed forward through the assaulting squad which was pinned down by a hail of intense and accurate automatic weapons fire from a hostile bunker situated on a commanding ground. Although previously wounded by enemy hand grenade fragments, he proceeded to carry out a bold, single-handed attack against the bunker, exhorting his comrades to follow him. Sustaining two additional wounds as he stormed through the emplacement, he resolutely pulled the pin from a grenade clutched in his hand and hurled himself bodily into the bunker with the live missile still in his grasp. 
fatally wounded in the resulting explosion which killed the entire enemy gun crew within the stronghold, Corporal Abril, by his valiant spirit of self-sacrifice in the face of certain death, served to inspire all his comrades and contributed directly to the success of his platoon in attaining its objective. His superb courage and heroic initiative sustain and enhance the highest traditions of the U.S. Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. 20 years old, Corporal Charles Jean Abreu. Douglas Albert Monroe, rank of signalman, first class, World War II, military branch was U.S. Coast Guard. Medal of Honor, action date, September 27, 1942. The citation reads, By extraordinary heroism and and conspicuous gallantry in and above action and beyond the call of duty as a petty officer in charge of a group of 24 Higgins boats engaged in the evacuation of a battalion of Marines trapped by enemy Japanese forces at Point Cruz Guadalcanal on 27 September 1942. After making preliminary plans for the evacuation of nearly 500 beleaguered Marines, Monroe, under constant strafing by enemy machine guns on the island and at great risk of his life, daringly led five of his small craft toward the shore. As he closed the beach, he signaled the others to land, and then in order to draw the enemy's fire and protect the heavily loaded boats, he valiantly placed his craft with its two small guns as a shield between the beachhead and the Japanese. When the perilous task of evacuation was nearly completed, Monroe was instantly killed by enemy fire, but his crew, two of them wounded, carried on until the last boat had loaded and cleared the beach. By his outstanding leadership, expert planning, and dauntless devotion to duty, he and his courageous comrades undoubtedly saved the lives of many who otherwise would have perished. He gallantly gave his life for his own country. Signalman First Class Douglas Albert Monroe, U.S. Coast Guard. Private Robert Lester Blackwell. He was an Army private in World War I with Company K, 119th Infantry, 30th Division of the United States Army. Uh, Medal of Honor action date was October 11, 1918. Citation reads, when his platoon was almost surrounded by the enemy, and his platoon commander asked for volunteers to carry a message calling for reinforcements. Private Blackwell volunteered for the mission, well knowing the extreme danger connected with it. In attempting to get through the heavy shell and machine gun fire, the soldier was instantly killed. Guys from North Carolina, another young guy. It's crazy. And and, uh, it stood out to me that uh, it was a real short citation and I try to picture that moment, that scene. These guys are surrounded, and there's pretty much no hope. And and this guy says, I'll run the gauntlet. I'll physically run through the enemy to go get reinforcements. And he was killed in the process. PFC Oscar Palmer Austin, United States Marine Corps, barely 21 years old. Company E. 2D Battalion, 7th Marines, 1st Marine Division. Date of Medal of Honor action, February 23, 1969, in Vietnam. Citation for conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity. 
at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as an assistant machine gunner with Company E in connection with operations against enemy forces. During the early morning hours, PFC Austin's observation post was subjected to a fierce ground attack by a large Vietnamese Army force supported by a heavy volume of hand grenades, satchel charges, and small arms fire. Observing that one of his wounded companions had fallen unconscious in a position dangerously exposed to the hostile fire, PFC Austin unhesitatingly left the relative security of his fighting hole and with complete disregard for his safety, raced across the fire-swept terrain to assist the Marine to a covered location. As he neared the casualty, he observed an enemy grenade land nearby and reacting instantly leapt between the injured Marine and the lethal object, absorbing the effects of its detonation. As he ignored his painful injuries and turned to examine the wounded man, he saw a North Vietnamese soldier aiming a weapon at his unconscious companion. With full knowledge of the probable consequences and thinking only to protect the Marine, PFC Austin resolutely threw himself between the casualty and the hostile soldier and in so doing was mortally wounded. PFC Austin's indomitable courage, inspiring initiative, and selfless devotion to duty upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Naval Service. He gallantly gave his life for his country. PFC Oscar Palmer Austin. Staff Sergeant Travis W. Atkins, United States Army War on Terrorism, Iraq. Second uh, Platoon, Delta Company, 2D Battalion, 4th Infantry Regiment, 2D Brigade Combat Team, 10th Mountain Division. This guy's part of the 10th Mountain Division. U.S. Army. Medal of Honor, action date June 1, 2007. While manning a static observation post, in the town of Abu Samak, Iraq, Staff Sergeant Adkins was notified that four suspicious individuals walking in two pairs were crossing an intersection not far from his position. Staff Sergeant Adkins immediately moved his squad to interdict the individuals. One of the individuals began behaving erratically, prompting Staff Sergeant Adkins to disembark from his patrol vehicle and approach to conduct a search. Both individuals responded belligerently, towards Staff Sergeant Adkins, who then engaged the individual he had intended to search in hand-to-hand combat. Staff Sergeant Adkins tried to wrestle the insurgent's arms behind his back when he noticed the insurgent was reaching for something under his clothes. Staff Sergeant Adkins immediately wrapped him in a bear hug and threw him to the ground away from his fellow soldiers. Staff Sergeant Adkins maintained his hold on the insurgent, placing his body on top of him, further sheltering his patrol. With Staff Sergeant Adkins on top of him, the insurgent detonated a bomb strapped to his body, killing Staff Sergeant Adkins. Staff Sergeant Adkins acted with complete disregard for his own safety. In this critical and selfless act of valor, Staff Sergeant Adkins saved the lives of three other soldiers who were with him and gallantly gave his life for his country. Staff Sergeant Adkins' undaunted courage, warrior spirit, and steadfast devotion to duty are keeping in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, the 2D Brigade Combat Team, and the United States Army. Staff Sergeant Travis W. Adkins. I think of guys like Michael Mansoor, a SEAL who jumped on a grenade in Iraq, or Mark Lee who died also in Iraq and was part of uh, 
the team that Chris Kyle was was a part of. Um, stories of incredible bravery and gallantry and sacrifice. And I'm so thankful today that so many have been willing to do what they've been willing to do. And I hope and pray and believe that I would have the courage and the conviction to 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 respond in the way that these men responded in these different situations and circumstances. I would encourage you to to read and study about the stories of of the thousands who have given their lives. Um, most of what I read today came off the website for the Congressional Medal of Honor Society, and I just simply read the citations. But there's so many books and stories and that 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 need to be told and remembered so that the memories of those who have paid the ultimate cost will live on. And uh, that's why we have this day. That's why we celebrate. It's not about cookouts. It's not about flag football or water skiing. Or, uh, it, it's, it's about remembering and pausing and, and refusing to let the names and memories of these men die. So, so many of the the more modern conflicts that have happened in our lives, we, it's easier for us to remember those. But as I've studied and read and looked through a lot of these, uh, there's so much from World War One and the American Civil War and going all the way back to the American Revolution. And, and and I wanted to read something from each branch of the service and something from every conflict, but it would have just gone on and on and on and. I just wanted to, to, to make you mindful of this. I want to leave you with one thought from Scripture that might motivate how we live our lives, those of us who are civilians and who may never be called to lay down our lives physically and literally. There's a scene in the, the, the story of King David where he's not yet king, he's a fugitive, and he's living with a band of just outlawed fighters, kind of guerrilla fighters in, in this cave system not far from his home city. And his home city is under siege and controlled by the Philistines. And David makes the comment that he wishes he could just have a drink of water from from the, the spring or the well in his home city. Well, these, these men hear him say that, and they leave, and they make the 13-mile trek to this city that's under siege, and they fight their way to the water, disregard for their own lives. They fight to get a, a bag of water, and bring it the 13 miles back to David. It was an incredible feat of bravery and sacrifice. Now, none of them died. They lived. And when they got to David, he took that bag of water, and he said, I can't drink this, and he poured it out on the ground. And it's a powerful moment because what he's doing is he's making that water into an offering to Yahweh, an offering to God, so that he's worshiping God in that moment for the bravery and courage and loyalty and devotion of these men. He looks at these men and what they've done, and it drives him to worship the Lord. You read that story and you think, man, that seems rude. He dumped the water out that they sacrificed their lives to bring him. No, he he took that and made it sacred in his own heart and mind. It's a powerful and, and, and beautiful moment. There's an Old Testament sacrificial uh, process for what was called a drink offering, and that's what he's doing. He's offering this. Uh, rather than consume it and drink it, he's like, this is this is the most valuable um, canteen of water that I've ever held in my hands, and so I want to offer it to the Lord. The 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 point for us is to live our lives. Maybe we don't physically and, and mortally sacrifice ourselves for others, but what if we could live with a sacrificial mindset 
be motivated by the brave actions and deeds of these men that we've read about today. So many thousands and thousands have laid down their lives. What if we would live our lives in a sacrificial manner and then all of a sudden Memorial Day is about more than what it's traditionally been about for us. It's, it, it becomes something that motivates us to live like Jesus. That'd be pretty cool. Be pretty cool. I'm going to be interviewing uh, Dallas Bozeman, who we know as Gar around here. Dallas Garrett Bozeman. Grew up going by Garrett. Daddy and mama called him Gar, and then and then he started going by his, his first name, Dallas, when he got in the military. But uh, many of you know his story, and I'm going to be interviewing him, and we'll be rolling that out uh, around 4th of July. I believe that Monday is July 5th. We'll roll his story out, and um, I'm looking forward to that. And then we'll do it again uh, this fall on Veterans Day. So um, thank you for, for pausing and listening to these stories. I know it's not it wasn't super uh, engaging as far as um, – I'm just reading. You know, I'm just reading these citations, and they can be wordy. Thank you for taking the time to listen and reflect on on what a great gift we've been given. And and I, and I pray, and I hope that you'll pray that God would bless America, continue to shed His grace on America, bring spiritual renewal to America, and that the gospel of Jesus Christ would would penetrate the hearts and minds of of the people of this society and this country to the highest ranks of public office and that God would bring uh, his grace in a rich and spiritual way. And that's going to require a lot of knee-bending and, and repentance. But God can do it, and and I pray that he will. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Hope you have an awesome week. Pray for us. It's week two of SWO SWO 21. Week one was a huge success. It was incredible. We saw God move and change lives. And I'm so excited about this summer, this staff, this lineup of churches that are coming this week students and kids that are coming as individual uh, campers pray for us this week as we have a full house at capacity a capacity crowd and pray that god will move in people's lives and we'll continue to update you through the summer as uh, as we progress thank you so much for being such a faithful listener and supporter of no sanity required we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.